1: Now, I want to speak to Stephen Breen. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Stephen, you're well-known in publishing circles in the newspapers with the Irish Sun. You're the crime editor. But you've put the spotlight on, well, the gangs in the Republic. And Fat Freddy is the central character. He's not made up. He's real. Tell us about Fat Freddy. This is chilling stuff.
0: Well, Fat Freddy Thompson is someone who's been involved in organised crime, not just in Ireland, but indeed in Spain, uh, in Holland and the UK since... 1997, and he started his career in uh, organised criminal activity, where he was first arrested for public order offences. That progressed to antisocial behaviour. He was uh, prosecuted for intimidating local residents in the South Inner City area of Dublin, and from there he got serious convictions for assault. He then got involved in a feud with a, a rival drugs guy and, and when he was just 21. And that was known as the Crumlin Drum. The feud, and that was about power. It was about greed. It was about parano- paranoia. Where you had two gangs vying for control of the drugs trade in the south inner city Dublin and as a result of that feud which continued over over 16 years he played a key part in that and 16 people lost their lives in that feud um, he, he maintained a, a very strong presence in the south inner city area of Dublin became a key target for the Garda, but it's, he's known more so in recent years for being centrally involved in the Kennehan and Hutch feud which to, to date has claimed 19 lives
1: Fat Freddy, at this moment in time, I'm looking at a photograph of him. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what he looked like until I realised you'd written a book about him. Mm -hmm. The first thing that jumps out, he isn't fat...
0: No, he, he was fat in his earlier days, uh, Frank, or he was carrying a bit of weight, and that's why he was given this nickname by his rivals. That nickname stuck with him throughout his his involvement in criminality. And it's only recently... He was arrested on November 1st, uh, 2016, indeed. He had travelled through Northern Ireland to, for a meeting in Dublin, and he was arrested on that date on suspicion of murder, and that murder related to the killing of, of Dahi Douglas, who was a former IRA man who was shot dead in part of the Kinnaghan Hutch feud. And I think... Uh, when, when he was arrested, he he'd spent a lot of time on the run. He was trying to uh, escape the attentions of the guardie. But when he was away, he seemed to get in shape. And people were now calling him Fit Freddy. Uh, but uh, he has lost a lot of weight. When, when I saw him in court for his sentencing uh, last year, uh, he, he had trimmed down. So maybe he was sticking to the gym regime in prison. Uh, but certainly he had shed uh, the, the weight.
1: And Fit Freddy or Fat Freddy, he's doing a long stretch now?
0: Yes, he's doing life uh, for murder and that related to Dahi Douglas was a former drug dealer, former member of the IRA who'd been in Dublin here Um, Freddie's guy in the Kinahan cartel had accused him of being involved in a shooting where they tried to kill one of the Kinahan cartel members despite the fact Dahi Douglas was in a completely different part of Dublin at that time but Thompson and his bravado and his arrogance got involved in this murder enterprise, he was in in one of the cars, that, that was a spotter car for the gunman's getaway vehicle His DNA was found everywhere. He was identified on CCTV during the day. And I think that the guards here who had um, interrogated him and investigated him over the years couldn't believe it that... He was centrally involved in this murder. And indeed, when he was arrested and, and he was being interviewed, you know, in, in the book I, I highlighted the, the interactions between the Gardaí and, and Freddie Thompson. And they say to him, you know, you're not top dog anymore. The Kennehan's are. Um, it's not the same as it was so many years ago. And you were careless. You were arrogant. And, and he was because he didn't seem to show any regard for the CCTV images. Mean, he, he thought he could get away with this. He thought he was untouchable. And even, indeed, that the same night Dahi Douglas was, was murdered, that, that Friday evening, he took his friends and those involved in the murder for a slap-up meal and a, a nice evening. It's entertainment.
1: Now, it's described as the definitive portrait of a notorious Dublin gangster. It's a shocking story of double-crossing vengeance and murder. It's everything that we'd expect it to be, Stephen. Does it give us some understanding of why so many of these young Southern Irish residents and, indeed, people from this part of Ireland as well get involved in these crime gangs, why they're prepared to live with the fear of looking over their shoulder in such a small patch of land.
0: Yeah, it's a key question, Frank. And indeed, when I was putting the book together, that was a question that was at the back of my mind. Now, ultimately, only Freddie Thompson himself or people associated with his gang can give a definitive answer as to why they got involved in organized crime. Now, to, to simplify it, people say they get involved because of the money, because, because of the reputation, uh, because of the, the fancy lifestyle. But it is no life because Thompson, for, from 2001 onwards, has been living in constant fear. He can't go to the shop for a pint of milk he has the INLA after him he has Brian Radigan's guy after him he wears a bulletproof vest he wears a wig he's constantly staying in different places and that's a a common aspect of life for many people involved in organised crime they may get a quick fix of, you know, having designer clothes or fancy holidays, but the pressure that they're under must be unbearable from, not just from their enemies, but also from the guardy. when are the police going to kick in the door, when are they going to raid the, the, their property, so that's something that they will have to ask, but I did speak to a, a psychologist from uh, Beaumont Hospital here and uh, a criminologist, and they give an, an, an outtake on their reasons, why they think young men get involved and it can come from their backgrounds it, it can come from their families And very often it it could be from deprivation that they they see no hope, that that they've no interest in education. And and as a result of this here, they, they turn to crime.
1: How do you think he'll react to it when he sits in his prison cell reading it?
0: Well, he's he's been. The people in, in in Dublin here have been writing about him for a very long time. Um, I, I I actually think that there's a massive ego there, and I, I think he, he will read it. And obviously, it doesn't paint him in a very good light because of the um, the murders and the chaos that he's been involved in, and especially in the judgment relating to his murder from the Special Criminal Court. You know, they, they really do paint him in such a negative light. But I think he'd probably he could say to his friends on the inside, look, they've written a book about me now. But uh, but people have been writing about him for a long long time. We've tried to engage him before at the courts. He's not interested and he just, he cares about himself, but there's no question that there is an ego there, so it'll be interesting to see how he looks at this.
1: Crime reporting in the Republic, Stephen. It mm-hmm. can be a risky job. The, your, your peer group have been threatened and, of course, there have been mm-hmm. famous examples of, of, of death where crime mm-hmm. reporters have been killed. What, what, what's your you know, position in relation to that as, as you try to tell us the story constantly mm-hmm. of, of who's holding the country to ransom?
0: Frank, I think it's, it's a risk all over Ireland. I mean, we look at Martin O'Hagan in the, in the north who was murdered in 2001 by a criminal guy, and obviously we have Raleigh Gagarin here in 1996 who, who was murdered in Dublin, but I think when her murder happened here, you saw a robust response from the state. It, it led to the establishment of the Criminal Assets Bureau. so For the first time, the government could go after and, and the, the guards could go after the assets through criminality. But it, it is something that's in the back of your mind. Um, but there are many crime journalists down here who are writing about these people, whereas at the start, it was Veronica and was exposing their activities. They're out there now. They're, 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 they're well-known. They're, they're, the public know who they are, so there are a number of us writing about them. I mean, you just have to be careful um, you know, what you write uh, as well you, ha- you have to think about you know, maybe if you're going to court and how people are going are to take uh, the views that's expressed in newspapers but we, someone has to do it and you know, for me as well it's very important to highlight what victims go through and that includes people who have lost their lives to criminal actions and indeed it, in the book I've interviewed two people who have lost loved ones as a result of the Kinahan cartel and I think it's important to give them a voice as well and, and I'll continue to do that.
1: And those cartels you talk about—are they still strong? Can the can the guards not break that?
0: Yeah, well, the guards have had massive success against the Kenahan cartel. Even when this feud started with the murder of Gary Hutch in 2015, you know they've seized like 91 firearms, you know 150 million worth of drugs, um, 59 lives have been saved, and you, you've four people doing life for murder now, including Freddie Thompson. You, you've effectively the Kinnahin cartel leadership—they're they're on the run, they're in exile in Dubai—and I think the legacy of the feud, of what happened here, especially after the regency, led once again to a robust response from the state. More resources were put into the Garda. more armed units set up, but also...
1: Yeah, the, the Regency, a, for people who aren't familiar with it up here, this was the gun attack on people at a boxing weigh-in.
0: That's right. That was in February uh, 2016 where Freddie Thompson's cousin, David Burnwell, was shot dead there. And it was the brazen nature of that because you had, you know, this, this, these were just, they were all one guy and they've now imploded and they've now gone into two factions, the Hodge faction and the, the Kinahan faction. And there was a huge response put in uh, by the state um, to, to, to cope with the level of murders that happened in, in early uh, 2016. And the, the, those investigations are continuing, you know, people are being charged with conspiracy to murder senior figures are are going to prison, but the leadership of this cartel, they're still out there, they're in Dubai, but I think the international law enforcement are now taking an interest here because they see their global reach and and their connections to Moroccan criminals, South American criminals, Dutch criminals, so I think the ultimate aim for the Gardaí will be that this to dismantle this organisation, and that's that will only come by senior members of that group um, receiving serious charges.
1: As you say, their tentacles are all over the world and some of them are based overseas at this moment in time, mm-hmm. evading justice. One, one final point, Stephen, just to absolutely look inwardly. There are shootings here, there are people dying here, there are people being targeted here. Is a lot of that connected into the Dublin gangland scene?
0: When you look, for example, there, there's an individual who's now serving seven years here. Imre Arrakis is an Estonian hitman who was caught here on, on his way to murder a Hutch associate, uh, James Gately. And that murder was to take place in, in Belfast. Even though he, he was caught in Dublin um, by the Garda here, his mission was to go to Belfast, travel north, and, uh, um, and kill uh, this individual who's connected to the, the Hutch uh, family. Also, you have members of the INLA who are now serving time for the the murder of Gareth Hutch, it's another individual connected to the Hutch family who was murdered. So it shows the connection here between, you know, both sides, um, sorry, both sides of the border. There, like there are no borders in criminality, especially in organised crime, and you have weapons moving between north and south between criminal gangs sharing information, uh, working together on drugs runs, on, on bringing weapons into, into the, uh, the whole island. So it's a trend that, that's continuing, and as long as there, there's money to be made, and these guys are, are going to work together.
1: The book, what's it called, and who publishes it, please, Stephen?
0: It's Fat Freddy. Uh, it's called A Gangster's Life, The Bloody Career of uh, Freddie Thompson, and it's published by Penguin Ireland.
1: Lovely stuff. It'll be a darn good read. Uh, thanks for describing it to Thank us, Stephen. You, Frank. Thank you very much. I'd say thanks. Stephen Breen, who's the crime editor with the Irish Sun, uh, taking us behind the scenes of that murky of murky world.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.